Hey peeps, Roxy Lady here. I have had a series of aha moments in my life. Granted, it's everybody does. But right now, in my very selfish, specific life experiences, and that of other people who have suffered divorce or separation, and are being left high and dry, I have been battling stages of denial. Denial about where I am in my head, where I am in my heart, how, my, how I feel about the other, the, the fella, the other, those we don't speak of, right? And it all hurts. And I've been pretty tough and rising above and then also not speaking poorly about the ex if I can help it. Because I tell people, I, I I can't afford to hate him because I can't afford those wrinkles, doll. But the truth is, is I couldn't bear to hate him or disregard him because he was so much a part of my life. We knew each other when we were 9 and 10 years old. Imagine meeting somebody when you were 10 years old. And not at the time. I wasn't thinking about the the future of our lives because we were just children hanging out at Bill Italian Mall and or wherever we ended up. It was crazy how we landed in each other's lives at the right time. And it was the right time, even if it feels a whole lot like the wrong time because of where I'm at right now. I am so sad and so disappointed, but it's okay. And also I'm learning the not speaking to him every day thing is, is not as insanely uncomfortable as I thought it would be now, but over the last couple of months, it's been a year, right? After the last couple of months, I'd be like, oh, I'm over it. I'm not in, not in denial anymore. I know what this is. I see it for what it is. But it's still a battle. And, and this most recent battle is me avoiding constant need to find out where he's at or what he's doing and vice versa. Because all that does is re-injure a person. Especially when you deal with the trauma that I underwent. It was unreal. I swear my ears rang for months because I couldn't bear to hear anything, especially the truth. So we check in with one another here and there, either because we get a feeling in our gut, because that happens when you've been with somebody for 18 years, 19 years. It's innate. But the reaching out and then hearing from each other, even though, you know, I'm reaching out to this fella and he, he lives with this woman who is his new person. And I've got my own, my own person that I interact with in a really awesome way. But we don't need to be in each other's lives like we were before. It just feels so insanely unnatural to not be.
and it makes me sick every time. Not during. During, I feel like, oh man, we're healing, we're going to be fine, we could be friends now, couldn't we be friends now? And if you're listening and you're going through the same thing, no, now is not friend now moment. Right now is Roxanne being a friend to herself. But I'm not coming to that all the time in a big way. Sometimes I'm back and forth and I cry and I'm sad and I hear it and I talk and I call or he calls. And it is a repetitious hurt that happens. And I look into my life and I've been kind of like that through my whole life. I've been insanely apologetic, even though I felt like I was really tough. I'm sorry you have to move my wheelchair for me on my walker. I'm sorry you have to lug these things around. I'm sorry, I'm sorry that I have MS and it is an inconvenience. I'm sorry. But I shouldn't be, should I? I've just been doing that my whole life. Just being sorry. I had a conversation with a friend the other day, and I told you there's a series of aha moments. I had a conversation with a friend the other day, and she said, you know what, Roxanne, you're spending a whole lot of time sitting around smelling the shit. And I said, oh, um, okay, uh, lay it down on me, girl. Tell me what you're talking about. And she said, listen, I've dated a lot. This is her telling me. And there were a few moments in my life where I really had a hard time letting go of somebody that I really liked or loved or felt like they loved me. And it was painful and it was hurtful and it was, it, it lasted a lot longer than it should. And I said, okay. And she's like, well, listen, I was dating a cat and he was handsome. He knew how to dance. He knew how to throw my ass around like a tiny little flower, even though in my head I'm like, oh, you know, you're a giant. Um, <laughs> but he did. And he made her feel beautiful. But in turn made her feel like shit and made her feel like she wasn't who she needed to be, even though she was exactly who he thought she should be. So he'd beat her down emotionally so she'd break up and then she'd make up and then she'd break up and then she'd make up and he'd hover he'd just hover he'd find one little way to get in and uh let back in you know he'd say some crazy stuff very romantic energy stuff and, and this is what she's telling me she says it was crazy I, I i hear myself now and i think oh my goodness it's nuts I should have stopped a long time ago, but I wasn't there yet. You have to be there yet. So, <sighs> I kept letting him back in. I said, you, and she's like, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't think you should do it like that. But I, I think that's everybody does. They decide where, where it fits or how much they'll take. I said, okay, so you did all this stuff and you just kept saying, access granted. And he show back in and rock your universe and then rock your self-esteem and not in a cool way. 
So what made you make a change, girl? And she said, this is what happened. He told me he wanted to go to the store and pick up some things that he thought would be nice things to play with, basically marital aids. Or not married yet aids, you know. And it was exciting. So he takes off and he goes and he gets this thing, whatever it is. And it was a, a bag, a gray bag. And, and he had it at the edge of the bed. And, you know, when you're getting romantic or whatever it is people do when they're feeling these kind of ways. And then he says, okay, I'm going to grab it. And he goes and grabs the bag. And in said bag, there was an item that resembled a whole lot of male individuals' nether regions. But this was another region that men would pray for, really, size-wise. And I said, well, I don't know if that's my bag. And this is from her. She says, I don't know if that's my bag. I don't know. And he goes, well, listen, it's not for you. It's for me. So my friend had to assess whether or not she was in such freaky stuff. Also, whether or not her gut was telling her she should or she shouldn't, or if it was something that she was willing to see herself doing. And that's what you have to look at. You have to look at if it's something you can visualize yourself doing for life. If you marry somebody or you date somebody long-term, you are always compromising. But to compromise your integrity or to compromise the things that you, you will do that just don't feel right in your gut. And you know what? I said, what? She says, I did it. I did the thing he was asking. And if you can read between the lines, people, you know, he was asking her to do some pretty gnarly stuff in an area where, you know, on a man, those parts don't normally go when you're using these items. Or maybe it is, depends on what you're looking at, what you want, you know. But in her universe, she wasn't ready to be that, that girl, but she did it anyway. And it was crazy, she said. I was kind of, okay, he's into it, until I started smelling shit. So you're getting it now, right? You get where the thing goes, you get what's happening, you get how that... And it rocked me, because honestly, my friend, she says, I have a nasal capacity, I could follow a scent. And this is something that was totally not my bag. So it finished up, and it was over, and I I tried to block it out, but every time I looked at that cat, I would see this thing that he asked me to do. Now imagine having somebody you care about ask you to do something so strange or uncomfortable that you you make a different choice than you ever imagined you would. He kept coming. I, I break up with him, she says. I break up with him and he'd come back and he'd beg to come back. And this was in the past. And then now, though, lucky enough, now every time I see him, I, I smell shit. So I don't have to overthink it because I totally don't want to get down like that. 
Not anymore. So when she was telling me, Roxanne, you keep smelling this shit. It's because I keep putting my nose in it and expecting not to get traumatized by the horrific scent of my history or the things that were happening or the things that I'd forgiven, but then I haven't, and then denial and all these things. And it is, it was hurtful. Every time I reached out over and over again, or, or he reached back out to me, it was traumatizing. And, and granted, I'm not saying that it's something that was up his alley, what was going on with my friend's friend, but it's still got its own level of things that I made compromises, things that I decided I would do or wouldn't do. Normally it was what I would do. I would always do, I would do anything for him. I would have. But I don't have to anymore. I don't have to reach out just because I feel like it's something I should have been doing or I'm missing it and I'm supposed to do and whatever. I don't have to smell this shit anymore, dude. So now, what do I do? I'll tell you what I do. I take control of my life. Instead of waiting for this man to file for divorce, instead of waiting for him to feel comfortable to make things happen the way that they needed to after he broke my spirit, my soul, and my heart, he was holding me hostage because I was waiting for him to do what he needed to do because it was his idea to break this whole thing to pieces. I don't have to re-injure myself. I don't have to keep apologizing. You know, you do. You apologize. You say, hey, I'm sorry you're doing this for me. You're removing this for me. You're helping me because of my MS. I'm sorry that I tuck and roll when I fall. I'm not sorry because I'm surviving, but I was apologizing for so many things that I shouldn't be sorry for. Sorry, not freaking sorry. And I don't have to deal with this anymore. I get to move forward with a divorce. I get to do the things that I've empowered myself to do that I should have a gang ago because I was, but I was so traumatized by the whole thing. I just, I would have taken him back a million times. But now, thanks to my friend's story, I really do visualize me huffing a big pile of shit. And I don't want to do that anymore. That's what I'm saying. If you're in these situations where you're you're in the middle of a divorce, you've had a divorce, and you find yourself trying to rekindle or, or open doors or moments where you have already made a ton of compromises and been bruised and hurt and battered emotionally, not that he did that, but you sometimes do it to yourself. You don't have to do it anymore. You don't have to smell the shit anymore. And thank you to my friend for giving me that most amazingly disgusting analogy. But it was what I needed. A lot of few other little key moments, and I had a few friends throw me some stories and some ideas 
about life and I couldn't hear it. But for some reason, this was right up my alley. Made me really take a better look at my choices. So, if this is something you struggle with or you're fighting with because you're battling yourself, because you're battling another person and your other person is letting you battle yourself into pieces, even though it's apologetic and it's sad from the other side to you, you can't move forward unless you let the freak go. And do the best you can. That's all you can do. So I'm making a shift over the last couple of weeks where I'm seeing things where things are kind of uh, coming into gear. I could hear the... And I see things for what they are. I understand what I'm looking at. I'm articulating more clearly. I'm hearing things beautifully. I'm waking up from the fog of separation. I'm still struggling with divorce feelings. But every moment is in the right direction because I'm not sitting around smelling whatever kind of shit somebody's going to deal with me. Deal to me. Deal at me. And then deal with me. But I, I think it really is up to me, isn't it? So if you're wondering if this storytelling is, is moving or it's not or whatever, just imagine being a disabled woman being left behind with no ability to understand how she's going to make it and move forward and not have the pieces to make stuff pull together. And then having to rebuild all of it. And people do. I'm not saying that it's the first time for the world. But for me, it's the first time I'd ever had to consider how I was going to survive without my husband. But it, it's making more and more sense all the time. If you have somebody you think might need to hear a little bit of this story, if you have somebody that's uh, cussed, like regularly huffing the shit and they might need a little laughable story or an analogy that uh, might reign true for them, because you have those girls and those guys that keep hurting themselves in these relationships because they think it's going to be different or it's going to smell different. And then it doesn't. So do me a solid. Share it with some folks. If it, you think it's something that will reach them. And because it only helps me if it helps somebody else. That's my medicine. That's my love tank right there. I felt like my love tank was empty. But it was just because it was, it was injured and broken. And it is healing the F up. So... I'm happy to see things for what they are, healthily and happily, overall, considering the ramifications of divorce and, and or, you know, life changes as a human being. Nonetheless, share with people if you wish. If it's something that reaches you, we'll reach them. And uh, guys, thanks for having a listen, and I will catch you on the flip.